I stood in my closet thinking, I can't wear any of these clothes, I'm too big, or I look bad, or whatever. And this moment hit me where I thought about Jesus saying, you can have life and life abundantly. And I literally said to him, I'm not living an abundant life, I'm living in a hellish prison, and I need a jailbreak. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. Looking back, he sees it all. It was her first date the night he came to call And her dad said, son, have her home on time And promise me you'll never leave her side He took her to a show in town And he was ten feet off the ground as he was walking her Holding her hand Oh, the way she smiled And stole the breath right out of hand Down that old road With the stars up above He remembers where he was And that he fell in love He was walking her Welcome back to Life, Love, and Family. Hi, I'm Dr. Tim Clinton. Today, watershed moments in life. Those turning points that change the course of our lives. It's no secret that as you age, you realize that life's all about moments. Moments that get your attention. Moments that remind you of who you are. Maybe what life's all about. Moments where God speaks into your heart. Maybe you're in one of those right now. Maybe life's been difficult and you don't have much hope. Maybe the waves have been crashing around you so much. Maybe the road's been dark for you. Let me say something. God's in the midst of it. It could be. It could be in the midst of that darkness. Your watershed moment. God's doing something that you can't see, but he does. Today, our special guest, Gary Meacham, is with us. She's a popular writer, speaker, and teacher. Her passion for the Word of God has made her a very popular speaker throughout the country. She currently lives in Houston, Texas, where she speaks and teaches regularly at her home church, Second Baptist Church of Houston, one of the largest churches in the country. Her husband, Bobby, a former New York Yankee shortstop. The two of them have been together for nearly 30 years, learning about moments. She's here to talk to us about watershed moments. Gary, welcome back to Life, Love, and Family. Oh, thank you so much, Tim. It's a pleasure to be with you. Gary, I've got a son. We have an affinity together. We love uh, the game of baseball. And yesterday, I had one of those moments. Uh, my son, Zach, signed uh, to go on and play college baseball at Liberty, and it was a special day for us. Oh, congratulations. That's so wonderful, Tim. Wow. And that's his life. Long dream, I'm sure, right? You it is. Play after yeah, it was fun last night. He came into the room. We had uh, uh, one of those bedside talks about the day and what God had done. And we just celebrated the Lord together and uh, that next step. And hey, I've got another moment coming. Not too far away, Gary. I've got to walk a little girl down the aisle. Oh, wow. That'll be tough. I'm going to need a lot of medication. <laughs> yes, you are. I think I cried more watching Bobby walk my daughter down the aisle than anything the, the whole day. That just about undid me. But that is so wonderful, Tim. You've got two amazing watersheds that have just impacted your family. This is amazing. I'm so thrilled to hear this. Gary, talk to us about moments. Talk to us about watershed moments. What's it all about? Well, I started to teach on this topic 
about two years ago, uh, prior to writing the book, and I sort of stumbled on that word watershed. I liked the way it sounded, but I didn't really know much about it. So I did a little research on it and found that it was defined as kind of, you know, that turning point. Some call it an epiphany. But as I went deeper with it and, and prayed so much around that word, I believe that there are really those moments, those watershed moments that God uses to just mark us and move us and alter us for good. And even in my research, what was interesting is I saw this article written, you know, in some secular publication, and it said the top 10 watershed moments of history, the history of the world. And so it listed out, you know, starting at number 10, you know, different wars or different inventions. And would you not know, Tim, that number one watershed moment in the secular publication in the history of the world, the birth of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Absolutely, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, for a moment that made me feel really good. Oh, yay, we're on, you know, we're on the number one team here. But, but then it dawned on me, you know, it's so what if Jesus is the number one watershed moment in history if he is not the one, number one watershed moment in our life? So what if he changes history if we don't allow him to change us? That was really eye-opening to me, and I started to study these moments, these defining moments of our life, and just the different types of moments. They're not always hard moments. Sometimes they're giddy, wonderful moments of realization or clarity, kind of like what you had in, in realizing, you know, your son is pursuing this dream, and you just sit in that moment. I encourage us to mark those moments. In the Old Testament, they called them monuments, and they would often build something, you know, or name the moment. The Lord sees, the Lord hears. Sometimes they would name those moments. And I encourage us to do that, to pay attention. Gary, you open up the book, too, with a, a story about a cab driver. To be honest, when I began reading the story, I'll tell you what, I just pressed into the book, and I just thought, wow, can you tell a little bit about that story? Yes, yes, that's actually a true story. And the gentleman's now a, an author, but he... He shares about how he was just out driving his cab, and he got a call very late in the wee hours of the morning to go to kind of a dark neighborhood, a dark apartment, and he sat out in front of the apartment, and there were really no lights. Normally, he would just honk and then probably leave, but he honked and was getting no response, so he went to the door, and an elderly woman who just was perfectly dressed, the hat, the suit, she appeared at the door, and she had bags, so he helped her get into the car and to the cab. He was driving her around, and she shared with him that her destination was a hospice and that she didn't have much life left. She was dying, and she didn't really have family or anybody around to help her. And during the course of that drive, she ended up asking if he could take her by certain spots that were really watershed moments in her life. You know, she explained a place she danced with, with her husband in a ballroom. She went by a little apartment that she had lived in with him. And, you know, he, he drove her past certain watershed moments of her life and those markers. And when they pulled up to the hospice, a couple of gentlemen were waiting there to take her in. And she tried to pay him. And he, of course, said, no, I can't take that money. And he got back in his cab and he just wept. He just wept because he realized that he had that opportunity to make a moment, probably one of her last moments, um, and make that a beautiful watershed for her. And he talked about how some moments, you know, you just don't realize. He could have driven off that night. He could have, or he could have been rude to her. 
and just taken her to her destination without caring and driving those hours around the town to kind of seal her life up. So it's just that the whole notion of watersheds are that we need to have our eyes open. God is bringing these moments to us all the time. Sometimes they're giant and just come with such a flood of emotion or reality, and other times they're just small and they kind of gain momentum in us as we we see something that we didn't see before or we see a realization of something we prayed for and longed for. Gary, uh, I want to read the last sentence that he wrote. He said, I do not think that I have done anything in my life that was any more important than picking her up. Mm-hmm. Do you think, Gary, that God drops these into our life, these serendipitous moments? Do you think that's how he works in a special way, maybe, in our lives? I do. I think he drops those moments into our lives all the time. And you know what I'm seeing now, Tim, as I travel around and speak to a lot of different types of gatherings? I think we, we live in an age where, you know, everything's posted or, you know, you've got these Facebook pictures of everybody and Instagram and tweets and comments and all this stuff. It's almost like we're watching everybody else's moments. I see almost this wandering within us that we're looking for moments, but we're just not seeing them, or we don't even know that we can ask God for them. That's what I was wondering. I mean, can you miss them? Do you miss them, or can we get confused by it all? Yes, yes. I think we miss them all the time. I know I have. You know, I can tell you there are things I've longed for or prayed for, and suddenly I'll realize this is it. This is what I've longed for, and I've missed this. You know, it's taken me months to realize that God has shown me himself in this moment, and I've just walked right by it. I think often we're so busy trying to to pray and to follow God and, you know, study and do these things that we miss these beautiful moments he drops in, in our lives. I'm a big believer, as I said a little bit earlier, about marking those moments. I've marked them with rocks, Tim. It's crazy. If you saw my house... (laughs) <laughs> I have rocks everywhere. I have several rocks on my kitchen sink right in a, in a beautiful little jar to mark the watershed moment of healing from eating disorder in my own life. I have them right there in my kitchen to remind me that God has healed me in that way, and I had so many moments of clarity within that. I have a few rocks on my bedside table in my bedroom to remind me of the healing and the watershed God brought in Bobby, my husband and I's relationship, um, you know, we, I shared with you on your program when we talked about Spirit Hunger, my first book, about the infidelity that we walked through, through being a professional athlete, a pro baseball player, and my husband is the most courageous man I know. I love him so much. He, he chose to be a different kind of man, you know, and we had that watershed moment when we remarried each other, and never the same never the same, and our relationship so much stronger and better, but I have those rocks to mark that watershed right by our bedside. I've actually got rocks all over my house, on my desk, in my <laughs> office, and <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Watershed moments, Gary, are about change, though, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, Tim, we don't like to change. No. You know, um, I, that's the thing. In my research, I was finding several researchers that were kind of pointing out that children are more apt to change. They change because we tell them they need to. They'll change, and then we kind of help them along with that change. We'll bring mentors or coaches or teachers or tutors or whatever into their life to help them change. But adults fight change. Adults only change 
when they see they need to. They typically don't want to, but they see that they need to. I know that so many of the watershed moments of my life have come when I've come to that point where I just say, I cannot go on any longer like this. I can't do it. And for me, with the whole eating issue, I struggled with compulsive overeating and then swung the pendulum to anorexia and sort of lived in this weird combination of both of those for for years before I got free. And I remember a moment with the Lord where I stood in my closet and I had two toddlers, you know, one, one in my arms and one on the floor. And I was thinking about what to put on and miserable standing there thinking, I can't wear any of these clothes. I'm too big or I look bad or whatever. And this moment hit me where I thought about Jesus saying, you can have life and life abundantly. And I literally said to him, I'm not living in abundant life. I'm living in a hellish prison and I need a jailbreak. And I said that out loud to the Lord. It was a watershed that day. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not allowing this mentally. I'm not allowing and participating in things physically. And, you know, I mean, it was a process to heal from that. But that day was a watershed that I marked in my life. I knew I couldn't go back. I knew I couldn't go back. And I think we have these moments, you know, where we know we need to change, whether it's habitually or emotionally, relationally, we know we need to change. And so we let those moments change us. If we have the guts to let them, they will. But somewhere you got to slow down a little bit too, don't you? you just even see it or do it. Because the pace, the pressure, the pain of modern day life, it's out of control. It's consuming us all. It's like in parenting. The busy, preoccupied parent misses a many, a, many a cue or many a moment with his son or daughter, her son or daughter. Truly, truly, that's it. And I think we miss them so, so often. But God is so gracious and good. And God is a God of moments. If you think about it, he always encountered someone in a moment. Think about Moses, you know, at the burning bush. He kind of ran and hid after he murdered that Egyptian and was, was shepherding, you know, for 40 years. And all of a sudden in that moment of the burning bush, nothing was the same for him. And at that moment, God dealt with his fear, he dealt with his anxiety, he dealt with his sin, and then commissioned him onto a new vision, a new purpose. And thankfully, Moses stood in that moment, shaking with his shoes off, nonetheless, but he stood in that moment and was forever changed. And you're right, I think we have small moments that can just thrill us if we stop and watch it, like the moment you have with your son. Last night, that's amazing to sit at his bedside and mark it. Son, this is a time in our life that since you were little playing Little League, it's been leading to this point. And to really mark that moment with your son is so stunning. And I think often we just, like you said, we get busy. You know, we get busy living our life and praying, in a sense, for moments. We don't take enough time to celebrate or to put a stake in the ground and mark it. The second piece on this journey, then, is it's about change. It's also about awareness. That's what we're talking about, right? Yes. We're so talking about it. Matter of fact, in my book, I talk about a whole watershed called Watershed of Awareness. And I think, to me, what that meant in my life was kind of the gifted moments when suddenly God helped me understand why I was the way I was, why I reacted the way I did. For me, this awareness kind of came from, I'm going to back up and say, God struck me in a watershed moment. Bobby and I 
when he played for the New York Yankees, we were doing a speaking engagement, and it was quite a large crowd, and and I was going to share a moment from my childhood. It was a very painful moment, and I was kind of weaving it into this talk that we were doing, and I was sharing my father was a quadriplegic. He was in a, a terrible car accident when I was nine, and my mom's marriage with him wasn't good, and she had caught him in the car with a 19-year-old girl the night of his car accident. So then she has to be the loving wife, you know, at the bedside of a dying husband, um, knowing what she had seen the night before. So it was just messy. And about a year after his accident, it was Christmas, and my dad was sitting in his wheelchair in our house, and my mom was drunk early in the day and, and started to beat him in his chair, and she beat him out of his chair. And my little brother, sister, and I, it was Christmas, you know. We were, we were trying to lift him back into his wheelchair. We couldn't get him up in there. It was just dead weight in our little arms. So we walked around him all day as he laid in a bizarre position on the floor. And later that night, someone did come to the house and put him in the chair and took him out, took him out of our home. And I remember we hadn't eaten all day. I looked in the, the oven. There was a burnt turkey, so I poured Captain Crunch for the three of us, and then we went to sleep. Well, when I was sharing that, Tim, my natural way of dealing with things was humor. So I was going to joke about it, and the Lord stopped me in my track. It was such a watershed. I couldn't even speak. And somehow Bobby, somehow, I don't know how he did it, but somehow he got us through that speaking engagement. And when I got off the stage and got home, I went on my face before the Lord, and I said, this is a watershed moment. I cannot continue to function the way I am. I have to be aware. I have to acknowledge what has happened in my life. And that led me to being able to accept it and then to anticipate a greater healing and a greater place of understanding. But for me, that was a watershed of awareness. I just tried to compartmentalize things in my life. And God said, no, I want to heal this in your life. I don't want it in a compartment. I want it healed. I don't want you to joke about it. I want you to feel it, and then I want you to move forward with it. So for me, that was a watershed of awareness. And so when that aha experience happens, when God reveals it to you, when you see it, then you got to do something about it. That's where, I guess, rebuilding comes in. Yes, yes. Rebuilding is such a great watershed as well. When God brings us to certain moments, it's not for our detriment. It's always for our good. And some of those moments, like we've mentioned, are giddy and wonderful and such a wonderful realization. But you know what, Tim? Sometimes the moments he brings us to are moments of pain. You know, moments where maybe we've run from something or possibly we've caused harm in some way. And and he brings us to that point of revelation so that he can rebuild. He can rebuild that wall. I liken it to Nehemiah and how he he came to this point of just crying over the state of his people, the Jewish people, and the wall that was so crumbled. It was just significant of their spiritual life. And he wept. The Bible said he just cried like a baby. And he prayed for four months before he ever spoke about this vision that God was building in his life. But he went, and through strong adversity, he helped that whole nation rebuild that wall. And I think in our lives, we have to be willing to face those moments God brings us to so that He can rebuild and that we can put those bricks back into the right places in our lives. 
The challenge is when we take steps in those directions, we start thinking that we've got to perform, to control, to keep it all together. And we put the pressure on ourselves. And really, the, the essence of it then is realizing that, no, it, it's his story. It's not ours. It's his story in our life. And so there's a release element, Gary, then you've got to give yourself over to, don't you? Oh, we, we do. And I think that, you know, you brought up a good word when you said, you mentioned something about control. I think control is to women what passivity or in some cases anger is to men. You know, I just think it's our default to trust. Really since Eve, I think for for me as a woman, I've struggled with control because control is really that counterfeit to what we're meant and created to do, which is influence. And I love Dan Allender says something about influence. He says that, that we are meant to bring forth the beauty of God in others. You know, but control is that counterfeit to that. And I once heard the opposite of love is not hate, it's control. So I know God has shown me so many things in my own life, just true watershed moments where, you know, I'm trying to manipulate or I'm trying to control a situation. For me, my greatest heartache is people-pleasing, Tim, to tell you the truth. I, I have been in my life and still struggle with, to some degree, being a huge people-pleaser. And God showed me that even that is a form of control. You know, trying to make everybody happy, keep everybody pleased with me all the time at great expense. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting, yes. It's absolutely exhausting. And my watershed, I actually have just had a few watersheds on this note recently where I think whenever you try to live for God and let Him change you and, and speak out, you know, verbally, even on the public platform about all this, we're going to have our adversaries. You know, we're going to have those that cut us down or sort of, in a sense, make fun of us or say, you haven't really changed, or what's the big change in you, you know, prove it. And so I found that, for me, my greatest form of control is people-pleasing, and I would crumble when I wouldn't have people's approval. And I'm starting to realize that, you know, God's approval is it. That's it. And we're in good company. The Apostle Peter was a people-pleaser. He really was. He cared what people thought, or else he wouldn't have denied Jesus three times. And he didn't need to deny him. He was just talking to servant girls and bystanders. But he cared what people thought, and it hurt him. But when God brings us to these moments of revelation about ourselves, these moments of clarity and insight, that's when he can change us. That's when he can move us. Gary, when you look at the pages of our lives, it all comes back to that verse that says, those who come to God, those who live out their lives, must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I guess we ask and we answer the question about God every day, don't we? Mm -hmm. Either he is or he isn't. And either you wrestle with everything's a miracle or nothing's a miracle, don't you? (laughs) Yes, that's such a a good way to put it, Tim. It's such a good way to put it. it. It's opening our eyes to watch what's happening around us and to mark it. Pay attention because some miracles are happening around us and we're waiting sometimes I often liken it to waiting for the manna. When God provided the manna for the Israelites, their immediate reaction is, what is it? What is it? But Moses had eyes to see. Moses said to them, that's the bread that God has given us. But you know what? It didn't look like bread, Tim. It looked like snow on the ground. You know, it wasn't baked like a loaf of bread to perfection. 
but Moses had the eyes to see that it was the provision God had brought, what they were begging for, but they didn't see it because it wasn't in the form that they expected. And I believe sometimes God brings things to us that we long for, that we need, that we've prayed for, and it may not be in the form that we thought, you know, but it may come in an unexpected circumstance, a person, um, a situation, a blessing, or sometimes a heartache even, but it may come in a form we don't understand or see or recognize, but it's his provision nonetheless. It's him showing up in that time nonetheless. And I think we just need to open our eyes to that. Gary, to our listeners, your final thought. Oh, sweet friends, I would just say, pray for watershed moments. Ask God to bring a flood of moments into your life that will forever change you. And they're not always big moments. Sometimes they're small moments. We have to watch them. And when we experience them, mark them. Don't forget, we're a people prone to forget. Mark them, whether it's with rocks or notes. Keep them all around your house. Keep them around you so that you remember that God has shown up in a watershed specific for your life. So is God speaking to you? Are you listening? And what will you do with it? I guess those are the questions. I just happen to believe that God is at work more than we'll ever know. I hope you tend to your heart toward him today. 
That's what it's all about here on Life, Love, and Family. It's about helping you strengthen your everyday walk with Christ. It's about helping build your closest relationships, your marriage, your family. It's all about standing together for what matters in this life. Don't you miss what God has for you. Pray right now. God, do something. Speak to me. Lead me. And then follow him. Thanks for listening. Life, Love, and Family. America's number one Christian residential treatment program, Honey Lake Clinic, specializing in addiction, depression, anxiety, bipolar, PTSD, staffed by nationally recognized psychiatrists and psychologists, a team of MDs and 24-hour nursing care, a 600-acre scenic sanctuary of unmatched beauty, Honey Lake Clinic. Most insurance accepted, scholarships available. Phone 844-747-7772, online, honeylake.clinic.